Welcome to the Open House Podcast. Conversations exploring life, faith and hope with Stephen O'Doherty. Well, in a new book, The Golden Thread, well-known writer, worship leader Darlene Check walks us through her cancer diagnosis and shows us how her posture of worship did help her to create an oasis in the middle of that awful storm. Darlene shares how uh, those opportunities are, in fact, occasions when we can go deeper. Um, a call to worship, a worshipful state of mind, reminds us that the Holy Spirit is with us. And one of the world's great worship leaders, you would think that Darlene would know better than anyone what it was to worship in those moments. Darlene Check, welcome to Open House. Thank you for having me. Why did you write this book? I guess, you know, as someone who loves the presence of God, and I know that, you know, probably a lot of people who are listening tonight, um, I found that a lot of people would judge, you know, whether they sense God is near or not via their problems or how they were feeling. And, you know, going through my own journey over this last kind of eight years of transition and then sickness, and I thought, you know what, I really want to um, express and put pen to paper about the uh, the continuum, the beauty of God's presence in our everyday life, whether he feels close or not, or whether he seems silent or not. That is interesting. Yes, you, you talk to people who say, I feel terrible, I can't sense the presence of God. Or you speak to others who are a bit like Job's friends. Oh, what happened, you know, what did he do? God's, God's clearly forsaken him, but God's yeah. always there for us. He's always there for us. And, you know, the further you dig into the scriptures and, you know, Job actually, you know, in saying that, he has this revelation that says, you know, first he's screaming out, God, where are you? Mm. And then he says, but actually, if I go to the depths, I know that you are still there. And and he has this kind of deep moment in his soul where he's like, oh, my gosh, you've been with me all the time. And, you know, I was so blinded by this tragedy, which, of course, we we all experience that. And yet, you know, I've discovered that God comes very, very close if we choose to see him in the darkest of times. I'm going to explore what that was like for you in a moment, but I'm I'm going to come back to my first question. All of that being true... And yet, mm-hmm. having lived it, and I know that you, there's a big part of you that wants to be private, that needs to be private. You're no different from any of us in that respect. But why would you choose to put it down in a book this way, darling? Yeah, do you know, I, I love the thought, though, that each of us, with our own story, gets to, you know, if we tell our story and share our story, rather than hide it away, Mm. um, you know, that we get to encourage one another on the journey. You know, Mm. we've all got a story. We've all got (laughs) great things to say. And I thought, you know what, I I feel almost a responsibility also, you know, to share some of the tougher times, not just the great times. So that's where actually the Golden Thread came about. And actually it was my husband who, you know, someone actually shared with him about this... um, Japanese art is called kintsugi and it's it's a repair method that emphasizes the beauty of broken things by repairing them with right. threads of real gold. Right. And this repaired piece of art actually becomes more beautiful, you know, than the original um, because it's repaired with something that you see. And, you know, again, that was 
part of this golden thread, this golden thread of God's presence. You know, I want his, his beauty to be seen in my brokenness, his beauty to be seen in my broken places. And yeah, the golden thread. <laughs> and like <laughs> of God. there it is. And like it or not, you you use the word responsibility. Um, yeah. A, as a public figure known on the world stage, very few people are known by their first name. But you're you're one of that band, Darlene. <laughs> <laughs> then I guess there's a responsibility, but at the same time there are. And you tell the story. You've told the story many times. There are people you've encountered who know you and sort of creep up to you. The nurse. I think at the at the scan in the hospital when you were ill or a nurse who came into your room and prayed with you and you yeah. felt that in a sense God was just placing those people there. He was always with you and he was evidence of his people around you. Yeah, yeah, every step of the way. Absolutely every step of the way. And, um, you know, even in something not so um, desperate as a cancer journey, but even in transition, and I write about transition in this book, you know, about going into a new place and a new season and not knowing people. And yet there were these little winks from heaven all the way along, Mm. you know, which in my loneliness, um, you know, again, I just kept finding in these these shadow places this beauty of um, God's faithfulness. You talk a lot in this book about worship. In many ways, the book is about worship, I think, isn't it really? I can't help myself. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> so you're, I can't you're, you're a vehicle, a vessel through which we worship, others worship. When Darlene worships, when you worship in private on your own with God, just with the Holy Spirit communing, what's that like? Let us in on that. Yeah, it's often just, um, you know, I'm a big fan at the moment of Passion Translation. Um, That's interesting. So, yeah, so often to me, it, I guess for me, it's putting new words to old thoughts, you know. So that's why I'm really loving it. And I will sit in the Psalms for a long time and just um, just talk to the Lord and, and then be quiet before Him. Hmm. You know, I can do that walking on the beach. We live in a beach area now, which has been so hmm. precious, actually. Hmm. And, um, you know, I'll sit on the piano and play and pray. Um, but it's not always with music involved. You know, for me, I'm just learning more to be still mm. and um, just allowing him to speak to me. And I always have my journal and pen ready just to see what he wants to say. I don't try to overthink it. I just write and look at it later and go, oh, my goodness, I can't even, I couldn't have written that, you know, and just just be in his presence, mm. be okay with that. Now, Psalm 16 is highlighted in your book. Mm-hmm. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good besides you. Talk mm-hmm. to me about Psalm 16. I think you've described it as the golden golden verses. Oh, look, I think when, um, when I look at a psalm like that, and when I, you know, actually Isaiah, when he says, you know, I, I came to the Lord and I was, kind of face-to-face with him, and all of a sudden I see my own righteousness as filthy rags. Mm. Um, This is what Psalm 16 kind of displays as well. It's like, oh, God, seriously, without you, I I literally am nothing. I've got nothing to bring um, apart from you. And I think this is what I'm... To me, what it does, Stephen, is takes all the pressure off as well. You know, it doesn't make me feel less than... It actually makes me feel hidden in Christ. 
you know, it's like I am just hidden in him and that's actually the safest and most beautiful place for me to be because without him, I literally can do nothing. Mm. And that's the beauty of this of this psalm. It's the beauty of some of these things. It's quite confronting, actually, in the Word. But um, it's also where I put all of my hope. And like my next breath is actually very dependent on the goodness of God. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I think the older I get, the more aware of it that I am, that without Him, you know, I, I am nothing. So in very practical terms, um, you've spoken about how you couldn't have lived through that cancer journey and other transitions that you've spoken of, yeah. including starting a new church and all, all that business, moving yeah. your family, all that, yeah. without reminding yourself that the Holy Spirit was with you every moment, that you're living in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Learning to rest in that place. And, you know, the, the cancer journey, for example, you know, and I have spoken about it on the um, station before that, you know, it, it's a very confronting time when you're confronted with your immortality in that way and, mm. you know, where where is God in these situations and what do I actually believe? You know, and so all of those things, your theology, your, your belief system, kind of all gets put through a sieve, if you like. And... You know, when that happens, again, confronting, but very, you know, I'm so, you know, I still can't say, wow, I'm glad I've had cancer, I, I, but I will say without a shadow of a doubt, I'm so thankful for the things I have learned and am still learning about the person of the Trinity, of, of the, the depth of you know, the reality of God's presence available to us at all times. And I do say I do not know how I could have been in that darkness without him. In fact, you know, Psalm 23, you know, it says, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, you know. And again, he showed me, well, for for there to be a shadow, there's got to be light. <laughs> Good point. Yes. There's got to be light. And it's like, okay. So I felt him speak to me really clearly before that journey and say, we're going to walk through. And like, I was a bit mad at that. <laughs> but I was like, I don't want to walk through. I want to be instantly healed in this moment, which he could have done, you know. And I, that's been something I wrestled with in the beginning. But he's like, no, I'm going to walk. We're going to walk through. I, the presence of me is your reality and you're going to be okay. So we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and I'll fear no evil, which I did fear evil. <laughs> but I kept saying, I will fear no evil. You know, in God's presence and his God and his staff, they comfort me all the days of my life. I'm like, oh God, you're so good. Yeah, and it says, for thou art with me, for you are with me. Yeah. And in your book, you've written uh, about sometimes not that, that not being in control is very hard. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> I think we can identify with that, Darlene. But in in by um, by definition, you're yeah. facing a cancer journey when you're on that, and you're facing yeah. you're living in the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. If God is with you, you're not in control. That's got to be a great, great source of comfort. Oh, absolutely. And you know, we I think we need each other in these spaces too. You know, I had a friend, and I write about this. You know, she. 
there was I was going into my last chemo, so it's my it was my sixth one. I was depleted, you know. I felt, and I knew what was coming. Hmm. And chemo has a culminative effect, you know. So I'm like, okay, I don't know if I can do this. And um, she's this girlfriend. She jumps into bed with me, and she brings the song "You Make Me Brave," <laughs> and she's like, "You will listen to this song, and you are going to do this treatment tomorrow." And I'm like. I do not like this song right now, and I don't like you much either. And um, she just made me listen to it basically over and over until I believed it. And when I went in, you know, the next morning, I actually felt like I'd been, you know, transported a bit on the inside by the love of God, just like, actually, I really do believe this. (laughs) But yesterday, about 12 hours ago, I didn't, you know, I didn't think I did. But, you know, we, I think we need each other also to remind each other of the strength that God has given us, of the, you know, the power of, of doing this together, not just on our own. And um, it has been revolutionary for me. Interesting. Darlene Check is our guest, and her book, The Golden Thread, is uh, her latest, just released and available everywhere, and a new album for Christmas that I'll talk to you about in just a moment. But firstly, The Golden Thread. Now... Um, this, we, we know you've said, is the, the sense of the continuing presence of God in your life and the Holy Spirit being being with us. But sometimes we lose track of the thread. Is that the idea of the book, that we need to, we can look back and actually see that thread? That thread's continual. It's always there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my grandfather, you know, before he died, he died at 100. And um, he says, you know, when I look back over my life, the one consistent thing I see now that I have perspective, is the goodness of God. Wow. He said, but in the, in the middle of it, I couldn't see it. Wow. Mm. Yes, and we, you're right, we bring that to each other in community. That's that's what it is, yeah, the part do. of the body, I guess. Yeah. Also in the book, so you've spoken about the table, the power of the table, and the table mm-hmm. is the name of the new album. So talk about God's table, Jesus' table. Yeah, well, it's... You know, I was thinking about this year and Christmas and all those things. And as a musician, you know, what what do we want to say as a pastor? What do we want to say? And I just, you know, I can't shake that thought of the table, you know, the power of the table. Because when I have a picture of the church, you know, I certainly don't see an event. I don't <laughs> see, you know, that that's that's not the church. The church, you know, it's, that's some of the things we do. But the church inherently is the body. Yeah. You know, it's it's us together, and and the table is that's how I see the church, like the longest table in history, where Jesus actually says, you know, there's a place for you here. And I get that picture of him before he goes to the cross, and he's the Bible actually says he reclines at perfect ease mm. with his disciples, your know, friends, and one enemy around the table, and um, has a meal. Yeah, and. It, and I'm like, it gives us so much strength. And so that's, you know, we kind of leaned into that teaching-wise as a church, just saying there's a place for you at the table of the Lord always. But then let's look at our own tables. You know, are we higher higher walls, you know, thicker fences? Or are we, you know, longer tables, lower fences? There's a place for you here. And it's been a good challenge for us as a church community. <laughs> been a good challenge for me is, you know, someone who has to wrestle with stalkers and had to move house recently because of that. And I'm like, God, am I going to allow this silly thing to 
tell me who's welcome at my table? No, I'm not. So I've had to dig deep for that myself. And then we thought as a church family, how can we carry this message on? Because often, you know, music takes a thought and helps the continuum of that thought in our spirits because music has the ability to do that. So then we're like, okay, let's do something and worship, you know, um, Christmas worship experience called The Table and I wrote a song called The Table and it's, um, you know, we gather at the table, the table of the Lord, come one, come all, come as you are and the last line is, you know, Jesus eats with everyone. It's a very intimate act, isn't it? It's a, it's it really is. comforting and it's, it's intimate and you, there are no airs and graces at Jesus' table. Yeah, yeah, and we look at each other in the eye and I hear your story and you hear my story. Yeah. And even that shared experience of story and food, breaking bread together, mm. you know, that combination is um, very powerful. Yes, and pass the salt. <laughs> <laughs> what was the, does the Christmas Day table look like at the check house? Oh, yeah, chaotic now that there's <laughs> Good. babies. It's got to be messy, you know? It's got to be messy. <laughs> I am, I love Christmas. I think. You know, my, my growing up experience, um, you know, always Christmas. My parents did awesome with Christmas. Mm. Um, but I think because family was messy, for me now Christmas is very special. And um, But, you know, there's always, you know, people at our table that um, I just want the door to be open for them. And so, you know, there's always people that have got nowhere else to be. <laughs> And um, but that's not just me. I'm sure that's lots of people who are listening, and and I think that's a great thing. You know, I we put the challenge out to our church recently. You know, about opening up new tables, and I, I was amazed at how many said, "Oh no, that's just for my family." Mm. And I know that feeling. I do know. I can tend mm. to be a little bit like that myself. But when I look at the world that we live in now, and you know, we've got lots of people in our church now who've come through refugee programs and. Yeah, we've got to open our table. We've got to extend our table. So, yeah, messy Christmas. Bring it on. You know, we sweat through a turkey. <laughs> we do. <laughs> we do whatever. You know, lots of seafood. But you know, we do. That oven is hot. The day is hot. And we all perspire. And I don't know why we do it, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and a little nap in the afternoon. Come on. The big nana nap. <laughs> <laughs> now that you are a nana. The only day we can get away with it. <laughs> yes, yes, you're right. Darlene, it's been very good to spend some time with you. Thank you for the book, The Golden Thread. Thank you for the new album. And uh, oh, thanks welcome. for sharing your life with us. You're welcome. I, I really pray it's a blessing. And I'll just speak, you know, that you all have a most beautiful Christmas. Darlene Check. And uh, that's the book, The Golden Thread. You'll find it, oh, everywhere. It's on the internet. It's in lots of bookstores. And uh, the new song is called The Table. And this is the new album. The Table, Darlene Check, and uh, Friends at Hope You See. No path is worthy of our King Too many walls to keep him Discover more Open House podcasts at openhousecommunity.com.au.